Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and uh, we're going to be talking about Hosea. We did uh, two hours this morning, kind of an interruption of following Hosea, which was, uh, we had, we've gone through 13 of the chapters, but I wanted to do that morning program, and it'll be put into the whole series with uh Everything about Hosea, we already have many of the audios that we've already done up at preparingyou.com. But uh, those uh, messages that were sent down to us from Hosea are really timeless messages. Once you understand the context of the gospel, the context of what Moses was doing, the context of this whole concept of how man relates to man and man relates to God. You cannot take your neighbor out of the equation you have with God. You say, well, I believe in God and I'm saved, and then whatever else I do, it doesn't really matter. Christ was very clear. Unless you forgive, neither will my Father forgive you. That you had to do the will of the Father. That if you wanted eternal life, you had to keep the commandments. And he goes through them, listing them off how important them they are. And he says all of them hinge on two commandments. That you had to love God, that be the real God, not your imaginary gods, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, to love your neighbor as yourself means you had to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. You are not doing that if you're coveting your neighbor's goods. This is why Peter says through covetous practices you'll be made merchandise and through... Uh, covetous practice, you would curse your children and your children be- and you would become a surety for debt. And all these things, once you understand their context in reality, all these statements and their context into the reality of what Rome was at that time, what Israel was doing at that time, what Judea was doing at that time, What was the difference between the baptism of Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Pharisees? Because the Pharisees had baptism too. Herod had baptism. Herod had more than just the temple at Jerusalem. He had the temple of Roma. And what were they doing in these temples? And we've explained all this over and over again. And once you start understanding the true history, which is... is You just don't know history. It's not that you don't know the true history. You just don't know history. You don't know what the Corbin of the Pharisees are. You don't know what it meant to make the Word of God did not affect. You don't know really what it means to practice pure religion. But now we're telling you. So, But now you have to turn these ideas into action. And so we're going to look at this uh, Hosea. And we were... In Hosea uh, 13 last week, and uh, now we're into uh, Hosea 14 is what we're going to go into. And uh, I have it here, but I wanted, I don't think I read the last couple of verses of Hosea 13. 
And so we're going to take a quick look at Hosea 13. I probably didn't go through the side panel. You can do some studying yourself. And, of course, if you join the network and you have questions, you can throw those questions out. I, I get all the emails on the network, uh, the, the general network. I do not look at all the emails within the people that have joined the living network. I shouldn't have to. If you have good ministers and those ministers come on the minister's call and report back to us, if there are questions that you have to your ministers and they can't answer them, then they should take them to the minister's forum and the minister's forum will look at those and see if we can come up with the answers. Not that you're supposed to be following us, you're supposed to be following Christ, but sometimes everybody needs some help and this is the way to get it. We might not know the answer. You might ask questions that are way outside of our expertise. But we present them at the minister's forum and they can take them back to their congregations. And they can ask, what do you guys think? And they may come up with things that we don't know and then we can get it back to you. We may put you in touch. Like somebody was looking for some help on a job in Chicago. They're actually from Colorado. But they were at the time living out here. And so we said, well, I know somebody in Michigan who's done that kind of work that you need done in Chicago. And so I was trying to put them in contact with a guy in Michigan and another guy in New York to see if they could get that job done. I don't know what they finally concluded. They haven't got together yet and done it, but they're planning in a few weeks to... Those that are going to go up there and do it are going to go do it. But some of the people that I know in the network are not actually in the living network. They haven't joined a congregation. So it makes it a little bit more difficult for me to say. I can't just say on the minister's call one week or send a note out to all the ministers. Someone's looking for help in Chicago. Isn't there somebody in Michigan that can help them? Well, the the guy in Michigan, I don't know if he's in a congregation. But we've passed some of this information on and supposedly they're they're putting it all together. I can't follow up all these little jots and tittles. That's why and neither could the apostles. That's why they formed a network, the tens, hundreds and thousands. That's one of the reasons. There's lots of reasons and we've gone over that. And so that's when the network takes on a life of its own. And hopefully that life is in Christ and Christ is writing upon their hearts and their minds. And we've told you some of the uh, amazing metaphysical stories of things that start happening. These like almost coincidences but cannot be coincidences where things come together and fit together that you weren't even expecting to come together and fit together. You didn't even know that they were around to happen because you've actually sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded and start doing what Israel failed to do. They didn't all fail to do it, but this was the pattern. When Israel said, what is David to us, and went off and started doing their own thing, and they had no king, we talked about that this morning, and they wondered what other kings could do to them. And and if you don't understand what it was like, I mean, like, Okay, you got 500, 900, 1,000 people or families going off and doing their own thing in another community away from Judea. And uh, 
they're not a part of the Judean network anymore. And somebody attacks them. They can't call on Judea. This is what happened when Israel left Egypt. They, When the Amalekites and Malachites attacked them, they couldn't call on the military might of Egypt to protect them from being overrun and overwhelmed. They had to call upon God, but they were able to do it because they had formed a network. And then when they tried to bind themselves together with a golden calf the way that other city-states did, God said, no, no, that's not. Those bands that connect you with another will not hold. They will not see you through. And of course, when the kingdoms divided before Hosea, this is what happened, is they did not, they were not only separating the bands of the king who had become unjust, which Samuel told you that he would become unjust, they were the bands that bound them together as a people were breaking down. Now, there were still family bands and there were still clan bands and, and some tribal bands, but it began to disintegrate. And one of the reasons it began to disintegrate is they formed these other systems of social welfare. Now, the same thing took place from time to time in Judea and, of course, had taken place under King Herod, had set up with the Pharisees a system of Corbin, a system of sacrifice that was forced now. Because once you signed up, you had to pay in. And men would count off your fields and count the branches on your Cummings plants and count the number of fish you collected. And they would expect to get their portion. Now, this brought lots of wealth and they were able to build this golden temple and the temple was able to provide the functions of taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of society. And people were afraid to let that go. Like the blind man's parents. In John, was it 9 and 10? They were afraid to let that go. They would not profess Jesus because anybody who professed Jesus were going to be kicked out of their social welfare system that was set up through the government temple based on men who exercise authority one over the other. Christ said you couldn't do that anymore. If you're going to follow Christ, you couldn't do that anymore. Now, a lot of people think they're following Christ today, and they're doing that. They're going to the temples of government. And they're signing up, and they have to pay in now. That's the unrighteous mammon. Mammon meaning trust, entrusted wealth. They have to pay in, and they but they can get benefits from it. They said, well, somebody said the other day, anybody who pays in should have a right to take money out. There is no money to take out. There is no money paid in. There never has been. You say, wait wait a minute, we've been paying in and they've been robbing from the trust fund. No, there's never been a trust fund. That's your imagination. Like we talked this morning, the Cheshire Cat. Imagination is your only defense against reality. The reality is there's never been a division in funds. That's been ruled right out of the box. In the 60s, it was ruled. We have articles up. Look up Social Security. There's never been a trust fund. That's in your imagination. There is no... And all this time, and the whole reason they started it, was the government was bankrupt, which is why we had a depression in 1929. And you were following after the ways that are evil, that are wrong, that are wicked, that are based on force and fear and fealty. The church is supposed to be one form of government, which we talk about in the chapter 13. And and there I have links to articles on baptism so you can see. 
and why David said that because of what should have been for your welfare has become a snare and has made you merchandise. It's all connected. Peter said it. Paul said it. Uh, David said it. That Paul's quoting David. And, and David's comment, that's one of the things I talked about a great deal in the program this morning, the two-hour program, showing you how same exact things, once you understand what was going on in the Old Testament, you see same exact problems, same exact failures were going on in the New Testament. And are going on now. So on every one of the pages, every one of the chapters, I have all the audios up for all these past shows. And if you go through them, it'll be quite a quite a lesson to you. I'm going to be taking off a lot of the DVDs that we have for sale because everything's on the net. You you can download it. You can create your own, put it on your own iPods or or your own uh, USBs and play it on your own computers, on your phone. You can download it and listen to them all. We give it away all free. It's all there. But you have to, that this listening and learning and studying is not enough because it's the word study, like we said this morning, and study to show thyself approved is actually the word for diligent. It's actually what you do. Not that you earn salvation, but you... Christ died that you might be saved. So, they talk about in verse 15 of chapter 13, though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come, the wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness, and his spring shall become dry, and his fountain shall be dried up, and he shall spoil the treasure of all the pleasant vessels. Jesus warned about central treasuries. Moses warned about central treasuries. Thieves and robs, robbers would break in and steal it. In verse 16, they talk about Samaria shall become desolate, for she hath rebelled against her God. And you rebel against your God when you decide to go to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority because Christ said it's not to be that way with you. And it wouldn't have to be. If you were sitting down in tens, hundreds, and thousands and loving one another as Christ loved you. But you are not. You have created the fake church, the false church, the public church. The religion you have you know, socialism is the religion you get when you have no religion. Your churches are not taking care of even 10% of the social welfare used by your community. Some churches actually do. I mean, you find some Amish people that do. And actually, some Amish people are listening to what we have to say. And they're putting it together. But they have other, they have other bonds, you know, the, the, the rituals and ceremonies of their own religion that sometimes bind them up. But, it's God writing upon your heart that awakens you to what we're talking about. We're just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. We're not the source of your salvation. Repentance and seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God is the key. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces. And their women with child shall be ripped up. Well, of course, we have abortion. But there's going to be more. It's going to get worse. Desolate. Samaria shall become desolate. Because she hath rebelled. 
So now you have to be friends with the unrighteous mammon, but you have to seek more righteous habitations, which is done by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and forming a free will network that is supported by free will offerings and local ministers connecting with other ministers in tens, hundreds, and thousands. You have lots of ministers who have, you know, over the years they come across lots of ministers who have their little congregation and they they think that's important, but they cannot find the energy to get together with the congregational ministers of other congregations. They don't see how important that is. But that they don't see because the sight has been taken away from them. The desolation is coming. And that's why you need to do that. Now, I'm not going to harp on that all the time. Because then you will listen to me instead of the Holy Spirit in your own heart. But if you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, if you're not actively loving one another, sacrificing daily as Christ sacrificed for you, but you now sacrifice for others, if you are not forming the kingdom of God, which is a network of righteousness, well, geez, I don't know what to say. You may be in a lot of, lot of trouble. You have need of repentance. So, in chapter 14, last chapter, and i got to keep an eye on my time here so that we don't get too far behind. I'm going to have to get a bigger clock here on this screen so I don't have to look down at that little print all the time. <laughs> anyway, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. And what's your iniquity? Coveting your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority. Taking oaths. Binding yourself to men who take false oaths. And we explained all that this morning. So, O Israel. That's, Israel is where God prevails. Where does God prevail in your heart? Can you see this? If you're Jewish over there in the nation called Israel, what are you doing? Are you workers of iniquity too? Are you creating three-party contracts between you, your spouse, and uh, and the state? Uh, I heard Ben Shapiro, who's an orthodox, pharisaical Jew. That's that he. I think he would agree with that description of him. I don't think he knows what it really means to be an orthodox Jew or a pharisaical Jew. When they were doing right. They were not caught up in the Hebraic rituals. They were actually caught up in righteousness. That's what they were supposed to be. These righteous men. But over history it begins to become distorted. Even back then in the time of Christ. And then they're they're more interested in their political power than in righteousness. But I heard him say once. Government should get out of the marriage business. Well, chances are it's not going to, and we've given the whole history of this, and go listen to our recordings on that, holy matrimony versus marriage. Where did this all come in through that you get married by the authority of the state? Aren't you supposed to get married by the authority of God? When And, and is the state contract, is one of the first things I wrote, and took it to one of the top attorneys in the U.S., who wrote law books, and he said I was right. The marriage contract offered to you by the state is a three-party contract between you, your spouse, and the state. The state has control. 
And with many of you, that's probably a good thing because you don't have any control. You're out there applying for benefits at the expense of your neighbor, taking a bite out of one another, becoming a zombie, cursing your children with debt, going back into the bondage of Egypt. So yeah, you probably do need the state to keep your marriage together. Now, you can tell me otherwise, but if you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, I don't believe it. I won't perform a matrimony unless people actually show signs that they are willing to obey Christ. Because they end up taking advantage of each other and they have no recourse. The congregation of the people was your assurance through the Spirit of God dwelling amongst you. The kingdom of heaven is within you, amongst you. But it isn't if you're not sitting down and taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. You're not following Christ. You're not one of his sheep. You haven't heard his voice. Because he said do all these things. It's not a secret. It's written right there. People read the Bible, read the Bible. They think they know what it means. And then you point out a few of these just basic stuff. And you show them what it meant at that time to say this. And they they want to give you the deer in the headlight look. And start looking for... Verses that contradict that. But they've never dealt with you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other, call themselves benefactors. Take a bite out of one another. What do you do with that? You want eternal life? Keep the commandments. What do you do? Just sow that out? No, I don't have to keep the commandments. I just have to believe in Jesus. If you're not keeping the commandments, if you don't know he said you had to do that, now, nobody's going to keep them perfectly, and God is a God of forgiveness. But if you if you break the commandments, how do you get forgiven? Well, there's several things that you need, and we have whole articles on that. But we know that if you do not forgive others, neither will you be forgiven. What does forgiving others have anything to do with you being forgiven? You believe, right? You should be forgiven. If you don't forgive others, you don't really believe. So... Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. What's the calves of our lips? Well, go read our article on sophistry. You can also read Thy Kingdom Come because it's in there. What are the calves of your lips? I don't use that phrase hardly anywhere. But it, that doesn't show up that many times in the Bible either. Calves of our lips. But it has to do with the sacrifice. It has to do with loving your neighbor as much as you love yourself. He goes on in verse 3. Assure shall not save us. Assure. What is assure? That's the merchants of men. That's the ones you've become merchandise because you've decided to make merchandise of your neighbor. You try to take a bite out of your neighbor. You want men who exercise authority to take away from your neighbor to provide you with all these benefits and your happiness. Your pursuit of happiness involves coveting your neighbor's goods through systems of social welfare that guarantee your salvation in this world. And you've become merchandise. Like Peter said, and the Asurs are merchants of men. And of course that's where we get into Revelation where these men have a full stock of slaves and souls of men. 
And we can go into that in detail, and we do in other recordings, and other articles on Mark of the Beast, etc. But they sure shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our guides. So what are the work of your hands? Constitutions, contracts, covenants. You signed, raised your right hand, took oaths to get benefits. That's the works of your hands. And you've created gods, men who exercise authority one over the other, men who decide what is good and evil. Now, men and women, we explained a lot of this this morning. And we have a whole article. So go look up the gods many. Who are the gods many? For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. The fatherless. Well, don't we have a father? One father who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. Isn't that who we pray to? Or do we pray to the fathers of the earth? Ah, we pray to the fathers of the earth. Our father who art in Washington, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread. That's our daily ministration. That's our practice of socialism religion. Public religion. We have an article on public religion. You can look that up. Verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from them. Why? It will turn away from you. If you're helping the fatherless. The other fatherless. You know the people who are actually are widows and orphans. And start practicing pure religion. Are you practicing pure religion? Are you practicing forgiveness? Yeah, over there in the right-hand column, I have links to reward of unrighteousness. Turning away. Repent. Forgive. Seek. Kingdom of God. And His righteousness. We have articles on all this. So you can just start seeing how all these pieces of the puzzle fit together. Verse 5, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. You know, the cedars of Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent, therefore, shall be as the wine of Lebanon. What he's talking about is that we we end up in this valley of the shadow of death, this this, uh, valley of dry bones. And, uh, And in that valley of dry bones... We uh, we cannot live again unless those bones come together. This is why this is one of the primary things to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Because you come together. You don't have flesh on your bones yet. You don't have the Spirit of God. Actually, the Spirit of God breathes on the bones and that's why they come together. That's what you're beginning to see. You're beginning to understand That there's something else, something you've been missing, something that they haven't been telling you. There's something more in the textual nature of the Bible. 
you have to be an originalist. You have to know. We talked about that. Originalist, uh, uh, an originalist, and a uh, textualist. The originalist has to know what these words like baptism, religion, meant at the time they were written in the Bible. How they were used. The context in the society at the time they were written. And we talked a great deal about how they're changing the definition of words. Been doing it for hundreds of years. And they're actually, lately they just, they're just rampantly changing the definition of words. And I told you several peculiar stories, strange stories of this century, and actually of this last week, how they just change the meaning of words. And, and they just do it, and they don't even think anything of it. They, you know, they think it's just so natural, so normal. They don't know, they tear down your heroes which represent, you know, virtue, etc. They may not have all been perfectly virtuous men, but they tear that down. But they erect, you know, like there's a statue to uh, Sanger who started the, you know, the uh, abortion clinics, all these abortion clinics all over the country, and she started them to get rid of black people. I mean, she said this right out, Margaret Sanger. She she was she wanted to get abortion and birth control everywhere because she wanted to extinguish the blacks. You remember the blacks used to be about twenty percent of the population in the United States. They're twelve now. You know why that is? Abortion clinics. Now they're also. It's also because blacks are killing blacks. Why are blacks killing blacks? Are they violent people? They didn't used to. What happened? They used to have 3% of their households single-parent families. Then by LBJ, they had far more, almost, uh, what was it, 25% for single-parent families. And then now, 75%. What's happening? That's not the cause, that's not because of slavery. It's not because of Jim Crow laws. That's because of welfare. And that's what's going on. And, and it's not just going on in the black community. They're just kind of the canary in the coal mine. We see it then because, and we point out, we have articles that show you that when LBJ's New Deal, well, actually it wasn't his New Deal, I guess his Great Society is what he called it. FDR called it a New Deal. LBJ called it the Great Society, the War on Poverty. They targeted the black community. That's why they've been so terribly hit you can change that in each black family in each family where there's a black I don't care if it's black or white green orange blue purple I mean the same things are going on now in the Asian community which used to have the best marriage rate now it's their divorce rate is going up their single parent families are going up and it's getting worse all across the board and there needs to be a moral revolution of the heart. And this is what Christ was bringing. He was a revolutionary, but he was a revolutionary of the heart. And once you begin to see what they were fighting against and why they were doing it, you can begin to understand what the gospel is all about. Because that is really your salvation. It isn't Trump. It certainly isn't Biden. It isn't the Constitutional Party. 
it is it what what are some of the other parties? I can't think of all the other parties, but there's basically two that got even a ghost of a chance. I mean, Ron Paul wasn't your salvation. Had a lot of great ideas, but he wasn't your salvation. You have to change, but that's the beauty of it. You can do something about you, but you need God writing upon your heart and mind to know what to do about you. So we're just giving you some information because, yay, but for the lack of knowledge. But knowledge is really knowing the Spirit of God. So, like I said, verse 7, They that dwell under the shadow shall return. Shadow of bondage. The shadow of unrighteousness. They shall return, revive as the corn, and grow as the vine. The bones will come together. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? Now, Ephraim was the tribe that went away. They didn't have a king. It wasn't just Ephraim, but they've used that term. That's basically what was also called Israel. They said, What is David to us? And they had no king. But they, So they started developing other ways to bind the society together. Just like they tried to do this with the golden calf when they came out of Egypt and Moses was up on the mount. They were trying to figure out a way to bind them together. And, and they did this in Egypt and many of the city-states. They took all their personal gold and melted it down into a single Fort Knox depository. And in that depository was all their wealth. And so that bought their loyalty. They did this in Sparta. They did this all over. Athens did it. Sparta didn't have the golden statue. They just outlawed gold coins. You had lead coins. So you couldn't spend your money outside of the community. It wasn't a value. So it created loyalty. They had other ways that did it. Sparta was terrible. Yeah, I know you saw the movie. You think it's great. No, Sparta was horrible. Horrible, horrible bunch of guys. Courageous. They did have that virtue. And it would have saved them. It wasn't for the loss of all the other virtues. Because <laughs> they did not love their neighbor. Most of Sparta was slaves. Yeah, yeah. So, and the fact is, all these people complain about slavery. They're saying, oh, the black community is having all this trouble because of slavery. They actually are right. It's having a lot of these problems because of slavery. But not the slavery back in 1860 and 1850 and 1840. That's not the slavery that's causing the problems anymore. It's, it's the bondage of Egypt. That's slavery. Your social security. Your membership in the Corbin of the United States. See, your social security payment, that's your sacrifice. That's your Corbin. And you pay in. But you're not paying into a treasury because the treasury is empty. They've been bankrupt for years. You're just now collateral and you're just, you don't even really pay off the interest anymore. It's getting really out of hand. It used to be you paid off some of the interest, but you never paid off the principal. And this is how you become merchandise. This is how you become surety for debt. This is how you go back into the bondage of Egypt. I have links to articles on, on all these subjects over there on the right-hand side of the page at preparingyou.com, Hosea, space, 14. Just type that in, preparingyou.com. Actually, preparingyou.com slash wiki slash Hosea, 
slash 14. If you just go to preparingyou.com, you can find it. We have just, there's a search engine there that will help you type in Hosea. It'll take you to the whole study that will all be up there in nine days because this morning program can't go up till nine days. That's our deal with the other stations. So Ephraim shall say, what have I to do any more with idols? That's that's a link to an article on what idols are. These are the institutions you create just that were in these temples of Rome. Like I said, one temple uh, minted coins. Another temple took in contributions and handed out free bread. And the the Tesseract tablet, which was like your EBT card that allowed you to get that bread, you could also show it and you could get into the Colosseum to see the entertainment. Free bread and circuses, that's what destroyed Rome. Now, we, we have a circus in a box now. It's a TV, and now you can carry your TV around in your phone. But there are things going on, laws that just were passed in this last year. They're going to be changing lots of stuff coming down in the future. This whole COVID thing is all about the Great Reset. And we've explained all that, but if you don't believe me, Go back and listen to the other recordings. I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. You want to be... Why was the kingdom taken away from the Pharisees? The people that were in charge, that were sitting in the seat of Moses. Jesus said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. And I'm going to give it to another who will bear fruit because they were not bearing fruit and they were not bearing fruit because they had a system of Corbin based on force, not love. Not charity. I mean, first hundred years of America, all the welfare in America was taken care of by charity. Philanthropic organizations, churches, communities just helping people out. And people weren't starving in the streets. People weren't sitting around on welfare either. Because nobody wants to help out somebody who's just lazy. But it's amazing how a couple of days of hunger... I used to tell this story all the time. And I think we have time to do it. There's a lady who had a dog. It was overweight. And it was listless. She used to feed it all kinds of things. You know, table food. And, I mean, this is a true story. And the dog was like it was almost going to die. It didn't even want to get up. Didn't want to lift its head up. It was having some adrenal problems. Some bladder problems. She took it to the vet. And the vet said, you're going to have to leave it here for a few days for observation. So she left it there for three days. She came back. And the dog was just jumping all over. So happy to see her. And just, just dancing in the cage. And barking and so just full of life and uh, she thought like doctor doctor what what'd you do what'd you do give my my fluffy I don't remember what the name of the dog was <laughs> I think it's like a little white Pomeranian kind of dog and he said uh, nothing and she persisted and wanted to know what what did you do why is he so healthy why is he so wonderful uh, happy to see me so full of life and he said, well, basically, I just didn't feed the dog for three days. That's right. You know, if a lion gets fat and lazy, he can't catch game. Three days without food, 
He gets lean and mean. <laughs> he can catch game. He can run like the wind. Nothing like a little hunger to get the adrenal gland, glands going again. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a whole system of fasting that is really important for your health. I mean, you can turn on your whole immune system by fasting. I fasted during my period with COVID when I got COVID. But, it, you know, it was two days and I was well and not working again. Fasting is a key thing. You have to know how to do it, when to do it, and how to break fast. Knowing how to break fast is important. These are things that we can teach you, but I'm not going to probably teach them on the radio. I've, I've got some people who are really experts. We can start doing radio shows for that. But, you know, I have to work for a living. I have to go out and do manual labor, and often pretty cheap manual labor to get by. <laughs> Because of the particular status ministers of the church must abide by, must conform to. Christ was very specific as to what his ministers could do and could not do. And we go into great detail and have all kinds of books on that. Most all of them are available online, but not all of them. And we won't give you all of them. Uh, because you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Jesus would not give you Loaves and fishes. There would not be a sharing of loaves and fishes from Jesus or anybody else until you sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And they had over 20,000 people there, maybe 25. We know they had 5,000 men in their families. So if the average family size was four, five, six people, which was common in those days. Uh, and actually there's a way to count that in the way the Israelite and Judean social structure is that the father would be counted as the eldest father of a family. That's one father. He might have ten sons. Many of them might be married and also have children. That's still one father. Until that father is dead, those other sons are not fathers of their own household. They are, of their, but they're within the household of the elder the eldest father of that family unit. That's one family. That could be 20, 30 people. Easy. So that 5,000, we don't know how many people there. It, it's likely at least 20,000. That's low number. It could be as much as 100,000 people. That, that's literally the fact. It could be 100,000 people with 5,000 fathers. That's that's kind of amazing. <laughs> so, more likely it would be somewhere between 20 and 50,000 people. Uh, if you counted the grandfather, the eldest father of a family as the father of the family. And that was a common way they did it when they did numbers. But in any case, there was a lot of folks. And they weren't going to get fed until they sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And Christ commanded that. They don't tell you that now because that might interfere, you know, you can't get much tithe if there's only ten families in your congregation. This is why the Israelite ministers did other things. They, they, now technically what they got could support them if everybody just gave a tenth. You got ten families, each family gave one tenth of what they produced, you know, because there's ten of them, so that that's why it's a tithe. It's it's what ten families could produce, 
which, if all things are perfect, would be 10% of their gross, would go to the Levite minister. He's going to do well. And by the nature of that relationship, he's going to have every single possible interest in your family succeeding. If you have a business, he's going to want to see that business thrive. If you have children, he's going to want to see those children thrive. He wants to going to see every one of them successful, every one of them obedient, every one of them a treasure. That's that's going to be his goal because the more you prosper, the more he prospers. Now, you multiply that times tens, hundreds, and thousands, and is it any wonder that Israel was prosperous? Now you go the other way. Because there's two ways to go. You either go that way towards the kingdom or you go the other way towards fear and force and fealty. Then you have a system of taxation that forces everybody to contribute, guarantees everybody entitlements. And uh, if you have to, you borrow money to provide those entitlements. You know what you're going to end up with? Thousands of homeless on the street doing drugs, taking down that government check, living where the sun shines, and destroying themselves with idle hands because they worship idols. They worship institutions constructed by men that are not based on faith, hope, and charity, but force, fear, and fealty. You see? This is the destruction They will actually reward you if the father leaves the home. We don't reward you if the father leaves the home. We say, why is the father leaving the home? We want him back. We want to encourage him to be back. Everybody in the congregation wants to do that. You got nine other families in that congregation plus the minister. That's 11 families plus that minister's minister. That's 12 families. They all have a vested interest in seeing each family succeed. That husbands stay with their wives and wives stay with their husbands and children are obedient to their family and they prosper in whatever business they choose to go into. That is your social security. Today, that's not your social security. You can play the system. You can be lazy. And you'll still get a check. And if you're really good at it, you can get a couple of checks. Yeah. So what kind of people are you going to get? What kind of a nation are you going to get? All the problems in modern economy are based and rooted in the fact that we haven't been doing what Christ said. For a hundred years and more. We would not be in this state had we been doing what Christ said all along. But that's the good news. Because now you can repent, turn around and go the other way. So who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the way of the Lord are right. The ways of the Lord are right. And the just shall walk in them. You see, because the just don't want to take from their neighbor. They don't want to take a bite out of their neighbor. They don't want to apply to men who exercise authority that will twist the arm of their neighbor to get money out of them, to squeeze the life out of them, to strangle them, to have enough benefits to give you. He won't want to do that because he will not covet his neighbor's goods. And he will walk away from that system and the benefits of that system because he will forgive their deception wherever it lies. 
And he will take the responsibility for the curses that have been placed on him by his own slothful parents. And he will still measure up and try to do right by his parents, by his family, and by his neighbor. Because he's going to go in the ways of the Lord. Because they're right. That's seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of that same God. And the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. So there you have it. Hosea. He's telling you. And so over in the side panel, we have a lot of other links, like I said, on that page. So you can go to preparingyou.com and you can just look up Bible, look up Hosea, H-O-S-E-A, and go to 14. But we have all of them there. And like I say, in nine days, we should have all the audios up for all the shows that we've done on this subject. And sometimes I just walk you right through you know, the particular chapter. This is a fairly short chapter, so I could have probably done it this morning, but I put it in this. But I put a lot of other things in this morning's program so that you would understand what the rewards of unrighteousness are and what's the price you pay if you follow after those ways and that you have to think differently. And see, like, I know somebody who just explained all this to a relative and a relative started thinking about it and but then he had to go back. No, no, it's okay. I can't imagine all these people are under such a strong delusion. But was it not foretold from the beginning that many would come in my name, but I know them not? They know me not. They are workers of iniquity. That, 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 that prophecy is fulfilled. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have time to repent. Some of you are, have already repented and are starting to sit down and trying to work out this, and that's great. Others will come later. Some will come in the final hour. But I would recommend you do not put it off. Uh, You know, I talked to a guy once who was, and I scolded him for the shenanigans. I've told this story. Scolded him and scolded him and had him in tears in his house, uh, in the kitchen. At... And, and I was nice about it. I was very polite about it. But I just laid it out. Like, you've done this, and you've done this, and I know you've done this. And I knew it, because God gave me the information. It just came to me from several different sources I had no control over. And I realized what he had been doing. So I just laid it out. And there was no denying it. And I wasn't yelling at him or judging him. But he began to weep. And he realized that I'm not the Christian I thought I was. I have done these things. I have taken advantage of old ladies. I have taken advantage of other people. Because I'm a good salesman. But I'm not a moral guy. And he realized that and he wept and we cried together. Or at least he was crying. I was in very good mood. But I was I was shaken by uh, having to deal with the spirits that were dwelling all around him. But I overcame that with the help of God, with the grace of God. And he was talking about joining the church and reading his Bible more as soon as he got back home because this was his second home. And nobody ever saw him again alive. He did not even get out of the valley. Part way out of the valley. The next morning he got up early, had breakfast, closed up everything, started driving back to his home in California. He was found parked along the side of the road dead from a heart attack. He never made it. 
But was he saved? I don't know. Because that has to do with the relationship. It isn't, you're not going to earn salvation, but you have to really repent. Tears are a good sign. The tears in action are better. And so, you know, we've, we've dealt with a lot of people that have had, uh, just recently, had somebody else that had, have had some demon experiences and it's, it's, this situation is not resolved. We'll see what comes. We pray for them. I mean, this goes on all over the world. And uh, we would like to appoint seven men over a business just like uh, Peter said. They appointed seven men over a particular business. <laughs> most of you, well, I don't know about most of you, but many of the people that hear this and haven't heard our shows on a regular basis, they have no idea what those seven men were appointed to, to wait on tables. That was their job, to wait on tables. What do you think that was? What do you think those tables were? It's the same word for bank. But it was a different kind of bank. It's not like the banks you have down the street. It's it's kind of like the credit unions you have down the street. We would like to appoint seven men to be over a credit union for everybody who's gathering in the tens, hundreds, and the thousands. Now, any credit union you start is still going to be in this whole uh, golden calf Federal Reserve system that you've created for yourself. I mean, we've gone down the road a long ways. But a lot of times you have to go back through the same hallways you went down on your way back. But you have to be drawn. See, you want to be drawn towards a different spirit. What drew you into this Walden camp of the Golden Calf where you all became merchandise and surety for dead. What drew you into that was the wrong spirit. The spirit of covetousness. The spirit of unforgiveness. The spirit of selfishness. Any of those things. Selfishness, unforgiveness. Any of those things will cloud your vision and, and wax up your ears so you cannot hear the truth. Your willingness to hear the truth will open the door, which is Christ, and the light will come in and you will begin to see. I quote Hosea 3.4, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without sacrifice, without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, which is the priest, and without teraphim, uh, which is the remedy for healing. For many days. Well, that's where you're at right now. Although you you have a king, but it's not the king that Christ wants you to have, which is Christ the king. And people says, I have no king but Jesus. Well, if you're signed up for the benefits of another king, then you cannot serve two households, two masters. Now, People want out of the system all the time. You don't just get out of the system. You get the system out of you. And you do that by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start walking in the ways of Christ. This is why when they were in the bondage of Egypt, God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh and did not let you go. Because you need to learn to get ready on how to go. You needed to learn the ways of Christ. I can't teach you all those ways. Christ teach you. It's an on-the-job training. 
So how can we abide in God the Father and His Son Jesus the Christ if we do not do what Christ commanded and sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and learn what it means to love one another through charity instead of take a bite out of one another through force? This is the message of the gospel of the kingdom. We have become workers of iniquity. We have sat down in the error of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. And God hates that. But God loves us and he will hear our cries and our voice and our, know our needs if we turn to the way of righteousness and away from and turn away from the ways of unrighteousness. That's what we need to do. So the first thing you need to do in order to start that journey to becoming a doer of the word is to join the network. Yep, that's what you need to do is join the network. Go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. Click on the network buttons and join the email network. If you're listening to this online, join that email network. Try to get into a congregation as close to you as possible. We have some congregations that really almost have too many people in them now. But that's okay. Once they get enough that are really participating, and it says in Hosea that you're going to have to do this for a while, then Christ will give us the inspiration to know we need to turn this one congregation into two. But keep them linked still through the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And then two become four. And then four become eight. And eight become sixteen. And sixteen become thirty-two. And that's how you grow. But it's God who gives the increase. If you would unlearn the strong delusion and wait upon the wisdom and truth of God. That's what we need to do. That's where we need to go. That's what we need to be all about. So, anyway, we're really at the end of another show. Like the Cheshire Cat said, food can make you big in Wonderland, as in life, but only mercy and experience can make you wise. So join us on the network. Until then, peace upon your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.